Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello, and this is the China Sports Insider Podcast. My name is Hyde Valiant, and I am with Mark Dreyer, coming from Taiwan. Mark, you just had an earthquake, a 6.9 magnitude earthquake. How, how are you doing? Um, doing very well, thanks for asking. Um, it, it's, it's funny because, yeah, it, it was a pretty big one. Um, I'll give you a little bit of context. In fact, it was the same magnitude, more or less, as the one in China in Sichuan province uh, a few weeks ago that, that um, I think killed more than about 56 people. It's pretty, pretty bad. Um, the one, the one here in Taiwan, uh, there was only one fatality. It was on the east side of the island, and I'm and I'm on the I'm on the other side. Um, basically, it was. I mean, we're seeing some footage now. Is it that's from Taiwan? Yeah, that's from Taiwan. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that's definitely worse than I had. Basically, where I was, it was. Uh, I thought about getting up. Again, this sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but I thought about getting up. I was like, oh, the TV's kind of swaying. Should I go and grab the TV to make sure it doesn't fall? And then in the end, it was like, ah, you know what? I don't need to. Uh, obviously, looking at these pictures, it was significantly worse in other, in other areas. But one of the reasons I think I heard from probably about 10 or 12 people from friends all over the world. Oh, you guys OK? Like, you know, I heard there was a big earthquake in Taiwan. This is something that happens all the time in Taiwan, these levels of earthquake. Um, well, I've been here over the last little while, we've probably had about five or six of similar type magnitude in terms of like what you experience. Um, and yeah, I have to say, there's there's so many China-based journalists who've basically either been kicked out of the mainland or are uh, you know waiting for a visa to get back or whatever. And so they're looking around for a story. And there was one one CNN guy who was in his nice apartment in Taipei with his cell phone, wandering around, kind of with this rather dramatic, melodramatic footage, saying like, "Oh, you know, this is definitely the worst one we've seen so far." And of course, that then goes on the CNN front page, and so people around the world think, "Oh, disaster in Taiwan." Again, not making light of the stuff that you've just seen, um, but it wasn't really justified of being a, a top global news story. But that, but that's partly, and I've also spoken to journalists and sort of said, look, the fact that all these China-based journalists are now in Taiwan, is that magnifying the, China, the, the China-Taiwan narratives? Um, and honestly, some of them are like, yeah, I think it is. You know, so, so again, tensions are real for sure, but people in Taiwan, it's just a very different view. And, and people that I've spoken to about sort of the Taiwan tensions and potential for a conflict and all that sort of stuff, 
the the view on the other side of the planet is, you know, things are definitely coming to a head. You know, the majority would say within a short period of time. In Taiwan, everyone I, I speak to, they just kind of shrug their shoulders. That doesn't mean nothing's happening, you know, but like, but but it's like, it's not, it's not a new thing, but it's a, it's a new thing to a lot of the journalists who've basically flown in uh, or been kicked out from the mainland. So, you know, we obviously trying to kick those people out. So, so, so there's reasons for that. But it's, it's kind of, anyway, sorry, you were talking about the earthquake and I went off on a rant. No, no, that's okay. Know, I mean, it kind of reminds me of the time when I lived in, when I lived in South Korea and there were, you know, high tensions with North Korea at the time. And it was, you know, this is all I was hearing about from family and friends. Um, and, you know, really when you're there, it's like, well, yeah, but just people are living their lives and this is just, this is just the reality right now. Um, yeah, and that's you know it sounds it kind of sounds like that what that's that, what that's what's going on right now where you are in, in in Taiwan, but you know very relieved that that you're doing okay anyway and and no no real damage uh, over there right now. So I I will actually I will actually say one thing. So so my kids are at, at school here and they have they came back with these. To me, it was completely bizarre, but apparently it's sort of fairly normal here. Basically, these sort of padded, kind of pointy type you know, a helmet, sort of soft, soft helmets, honestly, not unlike KKK type, type hats, right? But they were like padded. And basically, so kids are supposed to put this on the classroom or where they are basically to protect themselves from falling crap, whatever it is, right? And so, the, so my daughter was just like, you know, it's you know, she's quite young. She's just reading with like putting her hat on. This was not when the earthquake was, you know, I just thought it's just it's the most bizarre thing for me to kind of look at and go, what is she wearing? Oh, it's the earthquake thing. But yeah, so apparently that's a thing here. Last week I told you about how tennis works on the courts of Taiwan. Yes. Uh, I'm discovering yes. all sorts of stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. Well, you know, uh, Mark, last week in honor of the, the, our first live stream, you were wearing your England jersey. Now, now this week in honor of the, the live stream, I, I, I found something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear as well. And it is, of course, <laughs> my my England hat, which I bought okay. in Korea, you know, yep. 20, 20, 20 years ago. When yes, I played 2002. Hockey, 2002. I went to an England versus Korea warm-up match uh, in Jeju Island, and I played hooky from school. I, this was terrible. I should never have done this. Don't, don't do this. This is very unprofessional. But I remember going with all my English friends. We we took a flight early in the morning, something like four thirty in the morning. We flew down to Jeju. We we watched this match. Watched um, Michael Owen score a goal. Very exciting. David Seaman, who was the uh, the the goalkeeper for England at the time, he he waved at us, and that was like a thrill for my friends. I had no idea who he was, and uh, and and then we flew home later on that night, and and that's you know, and I, I found this hat as I was at my mom's place this week. I was very excited. <laughs> Love it, love it. Thank you, thank you for that. Yeah, the live stream was um, live stream. Uh, live stream was a lot of fun. Thanks to people who tuned in. We did actually get one piece of feedback that I was going to share. Um, so for the podcast uh, aficionados amongst you, you'll know that this thing here is a called a pop screen, so that when I talk sort of badly or loudly, it sounds a little bit better and takes all the crap out of my voice going into the microphone, which is here. Um, and last week it wasn't attached and I was holding it basically it's on a sort of a flexible thing and I was holding it basically you know below the table and kind of by my waist and it was sort of bouncing around and so so, so one person said what the hell was going on like was it attached to your you know what or does it just have a life of, <laughs> no. life of its own so 
anyway, I have taken an extra couple of minutes and it's, it's securely attached. So if you're into podcasts, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you're not, <laughs> just, just ignore everything I just Listen, said and we'll move on. Look, it's the perils of, of live, of live, you know, live podcasting. This is kind of exciting. Yes. I, I thought, I thought it went really, really well. Like I, what, I mean, I edited the, that, the sh- I mean, I edited the shit out of what I said, like so much of it, like just, just a sound somewhat, I don't know, somewhat intelligent. I have to do it, but I, I love the energy of it. I think it's, it's, it's a really good idea. Okay. I love doing it. But thanks for the feedback and, and appreciate any, anyone else who wants to uh, chip in with anything. For, for sure. You know, and I'm going to put some visual features on as well. So if you do tune in, um, you know, it's going to be a work in progress, but you know, it's something that, that I like, you know, I think that we love doing. So we're going to continue doing it. I think it's great. Um, okay. So this week's rundown, Mark. F1 released its schedule this week. Is China on it? Well, we're going to let you know very soon. Uh, Vladimir Putin floats the idea of an alternative international sporting competition. The China connection to a young basketball player who tragically died this week. And uh, Nike launches a sports podcast this week. Should we be worried? Okay, Mark. Uh, F1 released their schedule for 2023. What jumped out at you? Well, the headlines that came out were, uh, you know, China's back on the calendar. The date, they actually have a date for this, April 16th. Now, anyone who's heard the podcast before knows what I'm about to say, and that is that this race is not going to happen. It's not going to happen in Shanghai in April 20, April 16th, 2023. So why are you bothering to put it on the calendar? May as well just, you know, they have this contract. Last year, they they... They extended the contract for another five years. Um, I think it was another five years. But anyway, they extended the contract. And so so there is a long-term commitment to China, but there's nothing, there's no indication that China is going to open up anytime by then in time for them to make a decision. They can't just decide on April 12th, okay, guys, we're on for this weekend. Um, F1 has a lot of, uh, a lot of interest from races, increasing amount of interest uh, these days around the world. So there's lots of other places that would want to host. And so obviously they're not going to get that money from China or who knows what, what the, fine, the fine print says. But they could throw in another race and, and get, you know, tens more millions from somewhere else for, for hosting a race and so on. The reason it's not going to happen is because it would have to go in some sort of bubble. Now, we've argued before that actually at the beginning of last year that that's really what they should have done uh, uh, this year because... In fact, this very weekend, there's an open slot in the calendar because the Russian Grand Prix was was um, was cancelled. What we were saying about six months or so ago was, look, do it in a bubble. Do it in a bubble. Fly the teams in. No one has to quarantine. The fans are far enough away from the track that, you know, the, the risk of infection is is basically, basically zero. You're all outdoors anyway. So for, for me, that was, you know, that was a workable solution. Um since then, of course, Shanghai went into a two-month-plus lockdown, so that just completely knocked it out. And we have the big uh, 20th Party Congress coming up in a few weeks, so you know there's no risks going to be taken in uh, the weeks before that. But this would be a workable plan. This could be a workable plan, still could be a workable plan for April 16th, 2023. I just don't see it happening because they're just going to say, like, everyone's not going to quarantine. They're not going to have, like, quarantine. No, and, definitely not. And, and like, just why you know let the fans in have them in the stands like they're miles away well i guess when i heard about this i mean you know we've we've talked about a version of this story about a billion times 
uh, Mark, I mean, this, does F1 know something that we don't know is the question that I, that I had to ask myself. No, no, they're, they're hoping. We're, they're hoping, we're all hoping that eventually China's going to open up. It's just the timeline doesn't really work. There's no suggestion that six months from now or seven months from now, I guess, April next year, um, that, that, that China will be open enough to, to hold uh, uh, a Formula One Grand Prix race to the satisfaction of all the parties involved, the drivers, the teams, the mechanics, and, and, and the hosting party as well, because the extra costs involved for like a bubble, but then you couldn't get any ticket revenue. And I don't see there's any way that they'd allow the fans in. But with Joe Guan Yu, who's had a great season so far, he's, he's got more points. Um, you know, it is his, quote, home race because he's racing with Alfa Romeo in, in, in Monza. You know, like, he's doing really, really well. There's discussions underway for him to renew his contract for next year. He's only on a one-year deal, of course. Uh, but he has definitely shown... He has outperformed his teammate Valtteri Bottas for four straight races. Um, this is a dude who's finished second in the drivers' uh, championship twice. So, like, it's okay. Yes, there's some luck there, some DNFs for Bottas, but like, you know, four races in a row—that's that's that's uh, that's not a coincidence. No longer a coincidence. The guy has been done. He's done a good job. I'm pretty confident he will get another deal for next year. Like, please just let him race in his hometown race. It could be huge for the sport. It really could be. Um, so no, they don't know, and they don't know anything that, that that we don't know. What I will say, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a bold statement here uh, because you're wearing a hat. Um, if you can get that hat to me, and there is a race in Shanghai uh, on April sixteenth, twenty twenty three, I will do my best to eat it. If you can live with never seeing that hat again, I, I can live with that. To, Mark. I can live okay, with it. I, yeah, I will eat your yeah. hat. Oh, I will eat your hat. Man. Oh, if no. <laughs> there is a race and I'm wrong because I keep saying this and I'm like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he doesn't know anything. But, you know. Did I mention it's a chocolate hat? I'm pretty comfortable. Okay. Okay. Well, I, okay. So so adding to that, though, Mark, <laughs> adding, adding, adding to that chaos, though. And I'm, so I'm gonna Just as well we're not live. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Sorry. Uh, but adding to that, though, is I'm going to get a little bit serious. I mean, you know, there, there was that, you know, this last week there was that tragic bus crash. In Guayang, that killed 27 people. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of listeners already know what happened, Mark, but a bus taking around 50 people to a quarantine facility crashed and killed 27 uh, people this week. And, and just, you know, it, it's just one of those things that's it's a reminder of where China is right now. And, and there was like this picture that went viral right afterward of the bus being disinfected um, by, by, by a worker. I, China is still in full-on, you know, zero COVID uh, mode. And you're right. I mean, there's been, you know, just on that for a moment, there, there's there's been a number of stories. And, and, and the narrative uh, is kind of along the lines of, you know, the, the Chinese public's reaction has been all of us are on that bus. You know, the driver is asleep at the wheel. Um, you know, it doesn't take it doesn't take too many brain cells to sort of join the dots there. Um, and... Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, there's so many frustrating elements of that. I, I think one of the reasons why they were actually busting people out is because officials are judged on their performance in terms of case numbers. So if they can get people outside the city limits, they don't have to count them in their recent outbreaks. Like, it's just all the incentives. You know, we see this in, you know, everything. I'm trying to think, desperately trying to think of a sporting example off the top of my head. But, you know, this is this is not a new thing in terms of, yeah, you know, the classic one when it comes to, for example, the development of soccer, right? It's 
incentivizing people for the wrong things, you know, like like the short-term thinking, for example, officials have their four-year terms and then they need to do something so that they can get that promotion. Well, in soccer, you need a 20-year plan, you need a 30-year plan. So if you have people who are basically making decisions in those three, four-year, you know, time slots, this is one of the reasons, you know, and I, and I wrote about this at, at some length in my book, like this is one of the reasons they brought in David Beckham because it's a short-term you know, a little bit of razzmatazz and some action. What did he do for Chinese football? Absolutely nothing. He didn't even he didn't even play in a in a friendly game, right? Because he because he's under contract. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it sounds like he's doing it was a farce. Yeah, it sounds like he's doing exactly the same thing for Qatar right now. I mean, he's meant to be the face for that World Cup, but I, I think he's sort of like you know, he's not even showing up. Yeah, well, he's he's probably got other things to deal with in Miami, but anyway. Oh, you know, although he did, he did, I don't know if you saw this, speaking of Sir David, since you mentioned, and you're wearing your England hat hike, I feel duty bound to say that David, Golden Balls himself, um, lined up, uh, queued with the, with the best of British to pay his respects to the Queen. And it was actually, you know what, you could argue that it was a bit of a cliche move, but he lined up, he went, he joined the, joined the queue at 2am one morning and didn't get in until 3 p.m. the next day. He was in the queue for 13 hours. And he just said, you know, he played for, he was, he played for England more than 100 times, uh, captain for a long time as well. And he said, you know, every time, and obviously, honestly, I have to say, you know, God save the Queen or King as it is now, it's, it's not the greatest anthem. But for a sporting occasion, there is that moment where the anthems are playing and it doesn't matter if your anthem's bad. It's like, it's the, it's the momentous occasion. You're at a World Cup game, like, you know, that the hairs on, certainly on, on the back of my neck stand up you know, even though the anthem itself isn't a great one. And he was just like, you know, it really meant something every time we sung that song and I just had to pay my respects. And I thought, you know what, David? Yeah, you're all right. You're all right. So so, so David Beckham spent 13 hours in the queue. Is, is that the first time he'd be accused of time-wasting? <laughs> Not bad. I'll, le- I'll let that one pass, Hike. That that was one of your better ones. That was one Thank of your you. better ones. He wasn't probably known yeah. for that. I'm sure he wasn't known for it, but, you know, it's a good, it's a good soccer layer joke. All right, let's move um, on. All right, let's move on. Okay, so at a conference this week, uh, Vladimir Putin floated the idea of an alternative sporting competition with the SCO countries. I'd never heard of the SCO before. It stands for the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. It includes, uh, you know, China and India. Now, that's like what? half the planet already in terms of population. And, and I guess this would rival the Olympics. Um, there's, there's no real details on offer, but I guess from the Russian point of view, this, this makes sense. Like what, what, what would this even look like, Mark? So yeah, the, so the SEO was set up a, a number of years ago, not, not too long ago, but it was, it was basically set up as, a, as an alternative to NATO. And so, you know, that's one of the frameworks that, that Xi Jinping has been meeting with Putin in the last few days. And Kazakhstan and some of the other stands are in there. Um, I believe there are eight permanent member countries and there's a few observer countries. So they would be part of it. But basically they said, let's have a summer games, um, some sort of multi-sports event in 2024 and then a winter games in 2026. And I thought, hold on, this sounds very familiar. What is ringing a large bell? Oh yes, the Olympics. Uh, they happen to have summer games in, in 2024 and, and winter games in 2026. So it's like, you're basically going to have a 12 nation Olympics. I mean, again, <laughs> kind of ridiculous idea, but you know, like obviously Russia's not, uh, not exactly uh, found favor with the IOC right now. So their alternative instead of like getting on board is, Hey, why don't we do our own thing? 
Um, you can imagine for the winter games, we talked about, I mean, it's going to be basically China and Russia and a couple of the other former Soviet republics. Like, I don't think India is going to send a team for that one. I mean, for a start, let's, let's just, let's just, you know, this isn't going to happen. Uh, but it was making headlines because it was proposed and they were talking about it. It was like, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you have events like this. I mean, there's the Commonwealth Games, which is, I mean, more more countries uh, that that compete. Yeah, not, but of yeah. course, it's, it's, it's only sort a, of a lower <laughs> only a tier. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Sort of not not sort of thought of as like the best of the best. I mean, it doesn't have the the cachet of the Olympics, and certainly, I mean, yeah. You know. I mean, there's look, there's no reason there's no reason why it couldn't happen. They they often have like athletics grand prix where it's you know four nations are competing, and it's kind of like a mini international competition you're and and it's it's teams you're representing your team rather than you know running running or competing as an individual you know so so there is precedent but it's just the kind of it's 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 again it's a classic political suggestion right it's got nothing to do with sports really it's like let's create our alternative to the to to the western global order um and again it's perfectly valid to 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 want to do that, but it's just like you, you know, it's it's hard not to roll your eyes. It's like, well, we've <laughs> basically be kind of be like being ostracized by the Olympics, so let's yeah. set up our own at the exact same moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, honestly, though, like I mean, without like USADA or WADA or or whatever, all those different acronyms about you know all these um, uh, drug you know drug testing agencies in the way, yeah. you might get some incredible times. You might get some like unbelievable world records coming out of these events. Absolutely right, and then they'd be on to uh, they'd they'd start saying, "Well, we're going to sanction our own world records." And yeah, that absolutely, yeah, I like your thinking there. That I mean, that that could work. And people people do like, you know, there was there was that. Speaking of um, going back to uh, Korea, seems to be a bit of a theme today. But you know, the I still remember the nineteen eighty eight Olympics and that uh, you know the men's one hundred and you know Ben Johnson like with it was just the. Yeah absolutely jaw-dropping performance and okay he was juiced to the eyeballs but he still ran that time and it's still sort of like you know it's you you can still sort of be I think there's an argument to say you can still be impressed by the fact that this person covered this distance in this speed you know by but also not you know be sort of a lot of emotions when it comes to when it comes to racing but like he still was the fastest man in the world it just wasn't legal um you know, people like my my point is, and I'm not making it very well, but <laughs> um, you know, people like people like fast times, people like records to be broken, and almost the the you know whether or not they're legal is is a is is sometimes becomes a secondary debate. I mean, we all suspended disbelief uh, or belief for for Lance Armstrong for for you know six or seven Tour de France's because it was a good story. So um, yeah, again, don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I, I I like you thinking. Let's 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 watch out for it anyway. Okay, Mark. Let's. It's hard to sort of segue into this this story because it's a really sad story. Um, but yeah. uh, you know, let's let's talk about this anyway. Um, it's it's from the world of basketball. A young basketball player, uh, Jalen Hill, died in Costa Rica this week. He was only twenty two years old, um, and he had a surprising link to China. And, and I guess in a you know in a, in a way with you as well. Like how how did you know Jalen Hill, Mark? So I saw this headline and, and, you know, again, a bell was ringing and I, and I sort of, hang on, hang on, that's not the same Jay because there's actually another Jalen Hill who, who plays basketball as well. Um, so 2017, this is probably the biggest sports story that I've ever covered in China. 
Uh, and people might have forgotten about it, but at the time, it was an absolutely massive story. Um, long story short, and, and for, for, for those of you who, who kind of remember it, or maybe you don't, but there were three uh, UCLA students who were caught shoplifting in Hangzhou. They came over to play a college game in Hangzhou. Alibaba sponsored it. was a Pac-12 game. Um, now, the reason uh, it became uh, such a big story, uh, two main reasons. One, one of the three was, uh, was one of the Ball family. So uh, it was actually probably the, the so-called lesser ball. It was uh, Leangelo Hill, uh, Le- apologies, Leangelo Ball, um, who, uh, you know, basically there's, there's, he's got an older brother and then the younger brother, Mello, who's, who's arguably the best of the three, but a hugely um, well-known basketball family. And at the time, LeVar Ball, the dad, was kind of like Mr. Motormouth, and he was on ESPN all the time, basically saying, my kids are going to be the first billion-dollar athletes. We're going to create our own shoe brand. He was over in Shanghai basically doing a pop-up, like trying to sell his sneakers. So that was one of the reasons. The other reason why it was so big is that Donald Trump happened to be in China at the time that these kids had been detained, um, basically arrested and detained. And they were they were released into their hotels, and but they couldn't leave the hotel. And eventually they were sort of sent home. But for a while, we didn't know if they were going to be released from China. You know, shoplifting, and when it was, people were talking about, oh, they could be in jail for ten years. It was an absolutely massive story. Um, Jalen Hill, unfortunately, was one of those three, and you know, he's he's he recorded a, a video. He recorded two videos actually last year, um, and both of them are just really, really impressive. Um, he taught. He had a lot of struggles with with mental health and anxiety and depression, and. Uh, he actually, he, he kind of, he, he left the team and said, you know what, I just, I didn't need this. It was, it was dragging me down. I wasn't performing up to what everyone thought I should be doing. And, um, uh, you know, and it, it wasn't making him happy. Uh, and, and he sort of, you know, he just realized that he needed to some time off the kind of the treadmill of trying to get into the NBA. You know, he's like, uh, I want to be like so many other, so many other kids are and very, very few people actually make it into the top. And then there was another one just about a year or so ago, September last year. And he starts the, it was on his, on his, his Instagram channel. He starts off and he basically just sort of shakes his head and said, man, like, yeah, five years ago I was arrested, you know, in China, it was just absolutely crazy and talks about that and just talked about how his life kind of went off the rails a little bit after that incident. Um, but that he was in a much better place. Um, and it was, it was, it was really inspiring his words just to just to kind of hear him to see him in a much better place and to see that you know his decision to quit basketball had been the best one for him and that he'd put himself first and and you know mental health is a topic that it's difficult to talk about um but it's got a lot more attention recently and anyway i would just encourage people to to go look up that link on instagram because i i I was sort of like you know, it, it was. I was just kind of impressed, and and it's just desperately sad that you know we don't know what happened. Again, I'm not going to speculate on on. The only thing we know is that his family said he went missing in Costa Rica, and then they confirmed that he passed away. Um, so we don't know any anything more than that. So so it's 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 very possible. It's completely unconnected to to any of the struggles that he's had. But it was just sort of a separate story, and and that linked to China. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, it was a, it was a crazy time. Yes. It's, well, it sounds like it. You know, you know, when you told me about what happened, Mark, I I, I did some. I watched a little bit of of. Um, of an interview that Jalen Hill uh, gave last year to, to somebody, uh, to Ania Jones, uh, the Ania Jones uh, YouTube show. 
it was really an impressive guy. Very, like, you know, very, very young, uh, but seemed very in tune with, with who he was and what his feelings were and just sort of at peace with, with the decisions that he'd made to, to let basketball go and, um, and move on with, uh, with the rest of his life. So it's extremely sad to feel absolutely terrible for his family, of course. And, um, you know, uh, what, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, and again, an awkward transition to the next story, but I think we should move on. Um, our last story. Uh, we don't really do a lot of like media criticism or media pod- media stories here, but uh, Nike is getting in on the podcasting bandwagon in China. What is it, Mark? No, the the Nike China Sports Insider podcast. Yeah, uh, Nike, is, uh... <laughs> it's not called the Nike China. No, it's not. That's not what it's called. It's it's a new sports podcast in China. It's called Neiting. Uh, there's like yeah. three episodes so far. It's in Chinese for the Chinese market, uh, and clearly, Mark, there's something there. I mean, for this, this is this is pretty niche. Obviously, we don't we don't do game summaries, um, and clearly because we. You know, you and I, this is an English language podcast. So, you know, we're, we're not going to talk to you. There's a lot of athletes that we can't sort of reach in, in China. Um, but I think, I think this is interesting. I think this is actually kind of great. Um, one thing that I learned, you know, when I was researching this is that there's over a hundred million podcast listeners in China right now, Mark, like a hundred million. That's, that's, that's crazy. And I think it's interesting that Nike is doing it. I think most of them are probably tuning into the live stream as we speak. Oh my God, yeah. I can't confirm the, uh, the rumors that, that we were unable to, to agree terms with, with Nike to, to buy the show. And so they had to, to spin off their own one. But no, look, it's great. Clearly it shows, you know, there's interest in, despite the frustrations that we have had over the past few months, we'll continue to have, you know, there is interest in this market. It will continue to be probably the most interesting market in global sports in, in the next, I don't know, 10 to 20 years. I, I can't see how it wouldn't be because it's just still unknown. It's a, it's only going to become more challenging, I think, with 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 the way things have gone uh, in China. But, but, you know, people still love sports here. And once they get back to normal and, and, you know, move past COVID to some degree, you know, sports is still, sports still ticks a lot of boxes for China. You know, it, 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 um, you know, from from a purely economic perspective, uh, you know, it, it drives domestic consumption. You've got uh, a healthier population. You cut down massively on, you know, healthcare infrastructure. You don't. It's it's really as simple as like you don't need as many hospitals if your society, if your population is healthier. Um, you know, and that and when China is doing this urban planning, and again, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but like these are some of the things that they're looking at, like. When we have this new um, metropolis, how many hospitals do we need? Well, how healthy is the population? What are we going to have? What are the, you know, the the you know all the all these different factors? So again, economics it just ticks a lot of boxes. And and from a political point of view, if you have, you know, national glory, Olympics is the is the obvious one. Football they've they've never really managed it, but you know there'll be another wave of football where China tries to to get back up somewhere near the top. We hope yeah. at some stage. Well, I guess um, yeah. I'm just I'm just interested in the fact that like it's Nike uh, doing yeah. this. I mean, so there's this commerce aspect to it, right? So I'm just wondering like how controversial will they actually want to get? Like they don't want to get like H&M, right? Like they don't want to get like, you know, they don't want, uh, it, it's, it's a risk is what I'm saying. 
I don't see it as a risk because it's just, uh, you know, they're not going to be talking about any of the controversial stories that, you know, like obviously it, it will be a lot of soft stuff, but they'll have access to all exactly. the athletes that they have exactly. and exactly. they'll be able to get kind of that inside almost to a sort of more of a, I mean, they can, they can go, we'll wait to see kind of where they go with it. But in terms of like, they can kind of get that celebrity access and have those hidden stories. Now it's not going to be anything remotely like this podcast, for example, in terms of the issues that they're discussing, but that's not what they want to do. But I think there's, they definitely are, you know, it, it's, it's the way things are going globally in terms of the brands and the teams mm-hmm. bypass exactly. the media and, and they exactly. just do it themselves. You know, yeah. Manchester United don't need to call people to a press conference to announce a new signing. They can interview, you know, just lob some softball questions at the player and the manager and put it out on their social media channels. And then everyone reports it because there's nothing else. Like, it's job done. So it's it's much safer for brands to do that, particularly, as we know, in a market like China, where everything is just censored to within an inch of its life. Um, you know, I... And I was thinking about this this week and, you know, of all the things, just, you know, it's my media background, but it's just like the censorship is, you know, it's just the single most frustrating thing for me about China. It is. It's number one. It's, I think it has to be top of the list. And people will say, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? But it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I struggle with it on a, on a regular basis. It's it's very frustrating. Yeah, good. <laughs> uh, well, but 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 well, Nike Nike won't be struggling about that because they won't be you know it'll be Chinese language. It's just be a different thing, you know. So so it'll be a different thing. I mean, the, the fact that it is a Chinese language, the fact that it's Nike, they probably have. Well, I mean, they can't sort of float under the radar, you know. Like we can. No. I mean, honestly, we can. We're an English language podcast. Like, well, I, I mean, look, really... they've they've had some tough times with like with the with the Xinjiang cotton, and they got kind of uh, mm. embroiled with that over the last That's little true. while. So That's true. so they there will be people trying to shoot them down. So they will want to make sure. Um, that there's absolutely nothing that that can get them into trouble, uh, for one thing. Uh, but I think, look, I, if they can, if they can bring some of their athletes in the up and coming uh, Nike, you know, we talked about Jung Chin Wen. She's she's in the Nike stable of athletes, and I, you know, I heard from from tennis sources that they are talking about her as a potential top five player. Now they're not saying that, you know, they're not saying that openly because they don't want to put too much pressure on her. I mean, she's 19; she's only just breaking through. So again, a lot of things have to go right for that to happen. Uh, but that's the kind of potential that they're looking at. If they're able to to bring the next Lee Na to to more of a global audience, you know, star in China, and then and then you know, who who knows? The sky's the limit, right? Like this is a great thing. It's a really good thing. Um, yes, you're going to get these. You know, it's it's going to be different types of of content. It's not going to be hard hitting. It's not going to be you know like like. Uh, talking about sensitive issues, but I think it can still shine a light on the sports industry and bring some Chinese athletes to the fore. So, so I see it as, as hundred percent good. Well, I'm fascinated. I hope they do really, really well. As for us, Mark, uh, you know, I feel like this is on me. We've been promising guests. I, I have been a little bit busy, you know, I spent, I spent the last week stacking firewood, for example, uh, and 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 smashing pizza ovens was, was I that smashed, the week, week before. No, that was the week before. The week before it was I smashed like I I, I like sledged hammered a new like not a new like it was this massive pizza oven that was on our uh, on our garden. You know, I drove to my mom's and back. Like you know, this it's just I, next week though. Next week though, it looks like we've got a great guest coming. So so you should stay tuned for that. 
Um, what what are you looking at this week? What's what's up for what's on what's on tap for you? Well, when it comes to to MMA, um, there's there's some pretty uh, there's a big fight coming up in the One FC Championship on September thirtieth. Now, this is um, Singapore athlete called Angela Lee, and she is going up against China's uh, Xiong Jingnan. This is their third bout between the two of them, uh, and they're one one. And so this is kind of like you know this is the trilogy one. It's going to be pretty big. Uh, they're both. Uh, got quite a reputation. They've both really been slagging each other in uh, on social media over the last few days. So it's going to be pretty feisty. Again, I know that that's kind of how it works with, with, you know, with, with martial arts and the fight sports and you have to kind of, you know, build that hype, but I'm definitely, definitely feels like some edge. Uh, there's some edge to this one. Anjali talking about, you know, Shong's going to have to tap or nap, you know, she's going to put it to sleep. I hadn't heard that one before, but it's, I'm sure it's been used uh, in the past, you know, and uh, Shong Jinnan basically saying, you know, there's no way that I'm, that I'm coming back uh, having lost. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty feisty. That's September 30th. Uh, on the one FC card, it's not always the biggest one. It's clearly not as as, as popular as, as UFC, but they do have some big names in there, and uh, and these are some of the the big ones. And um, so yeah, uh, looking out to to, to see what's uh, going on there because of course you know Jiang Wei Li, uh, another female MMA fighter who is in UFC, who's who's brought a lot of uh, positive attention to, to 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 Chinese women in this area. So um, hopefully uh, for for the Chinese sector at least, hopefully Sean can can. Uh, can put up a good uh, put up a good show and uh, and and come through that one. All right, well, cool. Uh, I'll definitely be watching out for that. As for us, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. If you like the show, tell your friends, and uh, we will be back next week. Bye bye. Bye.